Okay. Okay, we start again. Three Alephs. Eheyeh, Asher Eheyeh. So this week's parasha is Parashat Shemot. We read the book of Shemot. And the, na- the, the, the word Shemot, in English we call this book, the book of Exodus, which is really what the book is about. But in Hebrew we call it Shemot, and Shemot means names. And we call it Shemot because the beginning of the book starts with a list of names, the list of names of all the sons of Yaakov who came down to Egypt. The centrality of names is made even more important later in the portion when Moshe comes to the burning bush and he's being charged with a mission to rescue Bnei Israel from Egypt. And what question does he ask God? What is your name? That's Moses' question to God. What is your name? So we know that we have a list of many names of Hashem. Many names. We have the name, with the first name we see in the Torah, Bereshit bara Elohim. We have the name Elohim, which is the plural of, of, uh, of God. There's the name Havaya, which appears later on in Bereshit, which is mercy, the Yud, the K, the Vav, and the K. There's the name Kel Shakai, which is God said enough. Maybe that's with creation that God stopped where it was. We have the name Amonai, Aleph, Dalit, Nun, Yud, which Abraham uses, that God is my Adon, my master. The Gemara has a bunch of names. Malchei HaMelachim, which we say in, uh, when we sing on Friday night in, uh, in uh, Shalom Aleichem. So Melech Malchei HaMelachim, the king of the kings. We have HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Holy One, blessed be He. We have HaMakom, the place, which we say when someone is mourning generally. We have Sur. Sur is a rock, which we call Hashem a rock. The Zohar uses the term Ensof, without end. The rabbis have Boreh, the creator. They have Dayan, which we have like Dayan Haimet. They have Ribono Shel Olam. In Yiddish, you have the Abisher. <laughs> I like that one, that's what I said. So you have all of these names. So Moshe's question to Hashem is, what is your name? Now, it's an interesting question, but he's not the first to ask a, a, a heavenly being, so to say, his name, and not get an answer really right away. We know that Yaakov Avinu, Jacob, struggles with the angel, and he's struggling with him all night. And at the end of the night, he's winning the wrestling match with an angel. We explained it a little. And he said, Ma, what is your name? And the angel answers him, why do you want to know my name? And he blesses him and disappears. We have another case in the Navi with the birth of Samson where the, the angel comes to Manoach and his wife, Slalponit. And what happens? He comes back a second time because the husband wants him to come back. And when he comes back the second time, Manoach says to him, What's your name? And he says, Can't tell you my name. And he disappears again into the fire. Now Manoach is asking him his name because he wants to be able to thank him because Manoach thinks he's a person. And he wants to be able after to thank him if the prophecy comes true. 
So one opinion I saw is perhaps it's precisely for this reason that the angel refuses to give his name. The angel is merely an agent, a vehicle like many others. He has no power of his own, and therefore he's not deserving of any thanks. That being the case, it's appropriate that the angel remains anonymous. There's no need for his name to be specified. So Moshe is now is coming to a bush that's burning, and he wants to know Hashem's name. Vayomed Moshe el ha'elokim. Moshe says to the God, el Israel. I'm going to come to the children of Israel, and I'm going to say to them, The God of your fathers sent me to you. And they're going to say to me, What's his name? What's his name? If I tell you God, does God need to have a name? It's just a strange, strange. No, but at this, at this time, this was early on. They, today we've got the, the advantage of, of we, we see later what Paro answers. Paro is, what's his name? Is not in my book. <laughs> not in my list of gods. So is, he, is Moshe asking them for a name because they've fallen to the level of Egyptians where they have a list of gods living in Egypt? So it says, Ve'amruli, and they're going to say to me, Ma'ashemo, what's his name? Ma'omer alehem. What do I tell them? So God says to Moshe, strangest thing in the world. So I don't know, what was it in the movie? Cecil B. DeMille. I will be that I will be, I think. But I think it translates at, yeah, I think that's real. Is, is, I shall be, yeah, I, I, I shall be, asher, as I shall be. Is that Moshe, really a name? Moshe knew the other names, right? Seems Moshe must have known because so he killed the Egyptian right. with Shema Mechorash. Right, right. So he's saying, how do I introduce you to B'nai Israel? Okay. Vayomer, and he's saying specifically to B'nai Israel. Vayomer, kotomar l'b'nai Israel. This is what you should tell B'nai Israel. Eheyeh shelachani elechem. Eheyeh, alev hey, yud hey. Now we know the name of Hashem that we use is Havaya, a yud hey, a vav and a hey. Ehiyah is similar to the, to the name we use, but it's not. Now, the first time he tells them, say, Ehiyah, Asher Ehiyah. Ehiyah, I shall be that I shall be. Then Hashem tells him, you know what? Just tell him, Ehiyah, I sure. shall be. Don't give him the double. What's the difference between the single, the double? So he said, we know there's many names of Hashem. Havayah, Elohim, Kel Shakai, Amonai. So when Moshe asks Hashem, he says, why does Hashem specifically choose this name, which doesn't appear anywhere else in the whole Torah? Why is Hashem telling him to introduce himself to B'nai Israel using this name? So first, before I get to the, the Zohar, I looked at other opinions, because, and then we're going to jump back to the Zohar. So Rambam, in More Nebuchim, he writes something very, very interesting. He writes that when Hashem appeared to Moshe to bring them the message, Moshe replied that he might first be asked to prove the existence of a God in the universe. For all men, with few exceptions, were ignorant of the existence of God. Their highest thoughts did not extend beyond the heavenly sphere 
its form or its influences. They looked at astrology, perhaps to that level, and that was it. They could not yet emancipate themselves from sensation and had not yet attained to an intellectual perfection. Then God taught Moses how to teach them by saying, Ehyeh asher ehyeh, a name derived from the verb hayah in the sense of existing. For the verb hayah denotes to be, and in Hebrew no difference is made between the verbs to be and to exist. I exist that I exist. The first noun which is to be described is ehyeh, the second by which the first is described as likewise ehyeh, both descriptions the same. So this is what the Rambam writes, Maimonides. This is therefore the expression of the idea that God exists, but not in the ordinary sense or term. In other words, He is the existing being, which is the existing being. Everything is God. That is to say, that being whose existence is absolute. And He's saying... The proof uh, which he was, he was to give consisted in demonstrating that this is a being of absolute existence. That's Rambam. Prior to the message of divine redemption, Moshe must prove to B'nai Israel the existence of God. It would seem that for Rambam, Moshe's audience is non-believers, and his task is to teach them emunah. It's interesting because Ramban argues on this and says, how could you say that? Even if they were in Israel for 210 years, they still believe in Hashem. In Egypt for 210 years, they still believe. Rabbi Yehuda Halevi, the author of the Kuzari, he writes in the Kuzari, he explains that the use of the future tense describes God not as much as the God of being, but rather as the God of becoming. He's in the future. Eheyeh will be. So we say, every time we say the name of Hashem, the Yud, the K, the Vav, K, when we look at it, we're supposed to think, Hashem, Hu Haya, Hu Hover, Hu Yihiyeh. We're supposed to think that term, God who was, God who is, and God who will be, in all tenses. So he's saying, the Jewish people here in Mitzrayim are beginning an endless journey of discovery with their God. All the events that they will experience and endure will be experienced as both a challenge and a lesson in developing deeper insight into their relationship with Him as a people. So Moses is telling them, Hashem is telling Moses, tell the people that we're going to go on a journey together and I will be with them and we're going to develop this together. Rashi is even more difficult. He says, It's written in Shemot. That's the name he tells him. So Rashi, the great commentator, writes on the verse as follows. He says, I will be with them in this trouble just as I'm going to be with them when they get, bless you, when they get in trouble in the future. Just like I'm with them in this exile, when they go into exile in the future, I'm going to be with them. Moshe says, whoa, 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 whoa. You think I'm going to tell them 
that we're taking them out of Egypt and they're going to end up in a place just as bad again? Let's not tell them, eh, yeah, I share, eh, yeah. Let's just tell them, eh, yeah, I'll be with you just like I'm with you now. They'll experience him in the times of trouble, just like they will experience him in the times of joy and redemption. I shall be what I shall be indicates an unfolding knowledge and an understanding of this people's relationship with Hashem. The relationship will be in a constant process of unfolding. Those are the, the three major opinions that I saw on what it means. The Midrash comes and gives a different answer. Vayomer Elohim el Moshe. God says to Moshe, Amar Ribi Abba Bar Mama. Amar Lekadush Barahu Moshe. Shemi, my name. Atame Vakesh Leda. You are asking to know what's my name? Lefima Asai Aninikra. I am known by my actions. Pa'amayim Shaninikra Bal Shakai. Sometimes I'm known as Shakai. Sometimes I'm known as Elohim. When I battle the wicked, sometimes I'm known as Sevaot, when I suspend judgment regarding transgressions. Sometimes I'm shown as Kel Shakai when I grant mercy. Or when I'm grant mercy, I'm known as Havaya. He says, So the answer, according to the Midrash, is my name, Eheyeh, Asher Eheyeh. The name you'll know me by is based on my actions and my relationship with you at the time. So simply the Midrash is saying, is, is the Midrash is saying to Moshe, is Hashem saying to Moshe that he'll be revealed in the world by the name reflecting the divine function that he's performing. That's how the world is going to perceive him. Going further, the Tikkunet Zohar says, alludes to, now I don't know where, but this is what he says. It says, the, sh- the name Eheyeh, I shall be that I shall be, alludes to Tefillin Shel Yad and Tefillin Shel Rosh. The name Havaya, Yudke Vavke, appears 21 times, the numerical value of the name Eheyeh. This is alluded to by the first Eheyeh. So in the, sh- in the four paragraphs that are in the Tefillin of the arm, the name of God, Yudke Vavke, appears 21 times. The word Eheyeh in Gematria is 21. So Eheyeh is a reminder of the 21 times that God's name appears in the Tefillin Shel Yad and the 21 times it appears in the paragraphs in the Tefillin Shel Rosh. So this is what the Zohar is saying. So the two Tefillin together are Eheyeh, Asher, Eheyeh, 21 and 21. Hence, we have to try to explain the practical significance of associating the words, what is this all talking about? How do we associate the words Eheyeh, Asher, Eheyeh, with the mitzvah of tefillin? And why is this the message that the Zohar says God is conveying to Moshe Rabbeinu at the time that he's introducing himself to the people? So now let's go to the Arizal and see what the Ari says. So the Arizal in Likutei Torah provides us with a wonderful explanation regarding Hashem's reply, Eheyeh Asher Eheyeh. Based on what we learned in the Gemara Shabbat, says Chotmo, the signature or the seal, Shel HaKadosh Baruch Hu, 
of God, who emet is truth. Truth. The Arizal explains that this is a reference to the name Eheyeh Asher Eheyeh. How is Eheyeh Asher Eheyeh emet? As Aleph. No. So it says, how is it emet? He says, very simple, you have to know math. Eheyeh is 21. Eheyeh again is 21. Multiply 21 times 21 and you get 441, which is emet. He says, the 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 you square, square, you square the Eheyeh, multiply it by itself, and you get Emet. So he's saying that this is a code that Hashem is telling Moshe. What is my real name? Darizal says, Emet. Truth. Truth. So again, he's using the 21 and the 21 to show that 21 times 21 is Emet. Truth. Wow. Therefore, when Moshe asks Hashem how he should respond to Bnei Israel, Hashem says, This is the seal encompassing all of the divine names. And these are the words of the Arizal. He calls Shemot HaKodesh, all of the holy names, God seals them with the name Emet, which is his seal. He says, he explains the gematria, the, 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 the 21 times 21 is emet, and this is every single name of Hashem. So he says, within eheyeh, asher eheyeh, is emet, which means every name of God is within emet. Going further, let's now try to bring together the Midrash and what the Arizal says. And when they say to me, what is his name, what shall I say to them? In other words, which divine name should we have in mind and should we pray to in order to trigger salvation? According to the Midrash, Hashem responds, if you want to be saved, my name you want to know, according to my actions, I am called. To trigger the salvation, it's advisable to use the name Eheyeh Asher Eheyeh. Now the truth is, I'm going to tell you, I never heard of anyone in a tefillah use Eheyeh Asher Eheyeh. I never heard it used ever. The only time you hear it is when you read it in the parasha, the one time, and that's it. But he's saying the seal of Emet encompasses all of the divine names, for as we learned, Eheyeh times Eheyeh is Emet. Goes further, he says, the message is conveyed by this illusion is that the key to access all of the divine names is to pray wholeheartedly with emet, with truth. This notion is expressed by the Pasuk, Karov Adonai Lechol Choreav, Hashem is close to all who call him, Lechol Asher Yikreuhu Beemet, to all who call him in truth. The Orchot Sadikim writes, based on Yirmiyahu, that Hashem, God, is Emet. He's the living God, eternal King. This teaches us that Hashem is the God of Emet. Therefore, since Hashem's seal is Emet, the Pastuk states that Hashem draws near to anyone who calls with Emet, with sincerity. Emet is truthfulness, sincerity. What is considered calling upon? Him with Emet. 
This refers to a person who clears his heart and his mind of everything else in the world and focuses only on Hashem. This person clings to the heavenly light and always has in mind Hashem's will. This blew my mind away, the next part. The Chida, Rabbi Chaim David Azulai, right? He writes in Avodat Kodesh <coughs> concerning Eheyeh, Asher Eheyeh, something unbelievable. He writes, Matsati Katuv Beginze HaMekubalim. I found written in the manuscripts of the Kabbalists, Katav Yad, written by hand, meaning it wasn't meant for a big distribution. Adam, if a man will pray, Leshem, to the name, Eheyeh Asher Eheyeh, to this name I shall be that I shall be, Bechol Davar Olam, with regard to anything in this world, Lecholeh, for someone who's ill, levanim to have children, lechokma for wisdom, lezechira to be remembered, leparnasa to have income, lehinatzel misaar hayam to be saved in the sea when the ocean's going to get him, miskenet derachim and from being lost in the roads or danger in the roads, ulechol davar or anything, rak tahor he should be pure. And he should say with, with, with deep intent, It should be your will, Hashem HaGadol, the great name, Asher He's saying the name, the first time I ever saw this, That you should have mercy on me, And you should do, And what does he say? He should ask his request, Whatever that request is in a clear language, and he should say it over three times. And the Chida is saying, based on this name, now, listen, this is not me, this is a big guy. The Chida is, uh, he's saying, if you do this, boom, it works. So it's clear. So how, how do you invoke the name? That's what now we're going to try. That's how it, so now the question is, what? Come on, magic formula, hocus pocus, right? So it's clear the concept of the divine names, how to apply them, is beyond our comprehension, right? Nevertheless, we see there's something going on here. This Eheyeh relates to Emet, and one merits enlightenment from the attribute of Emet, enabling one to pray to Hashem with true sincerity. As a result, he's guaranteed that the words of the Pasuk will be fulfilled. So first, how do we get to this level that we can guarantee? So we'll go further. We said, Karov Adonai Lechol Korev Emet. We read this every day. Close is Hashem to everyone who calls him, who calls him with truth. Now we learn from the Arizal that with the statement Eheyeh Asher Eheyeh, Hashem is alluding to his trademark of Emet. This idea is applied to a piyut that, according to the Kolbo, is said on the high holidays during Musaf. I don't know if we say it. This piyut was instituted by Ezra HaSofer and Zerubavel. In the piyut it says, V'chol ma'amanim, all, all, and all believe, Shehu uh, Dayan Emet, that he is the, the truthful judge, and basically says, and this is locked in, Beheyeh Asher Eheyeh. So the piyut is explaining that Emet relates to this 
term ehiyah asher ehiyah. The matter could be explained in a, in a sefer called Likutei Yehuda. And here he writes again, according to the Arizal, that 21 times 21 equals 441. It goes further, he says, while the numerical equivalent exists, he says, that's only on the surface. There has to be something deeper, something below, something practical. A connection teaching us how to serve Hashem with this appellation, with Ehiyah, Asher Ehiyah, to connect to Emet. It says, in the name of the Midrash, we see, the Midrash Agada, Umahu Ehiyah, Asher Ehiyah, what is this name, Ehiyah, Asher Ehiyah? Keshem Sha'ata Hove'imi, the way you will behave with me, Kachani Hove'imicha. That's how I will behave with you. If you open your hands, and you give charity, also I will open my hand. As it says in Devarim, He says, just exactly as you are, I will be like you. So this teaches us really that Hashem is telling Moshe, the secret to B'nai Israel is Ehiyah Asher Ehiyah. You want to know what's my name? My name is based on my actions. You want to predict my actions? My actions will reflect your actions. Continues based on Tehilim, the Shelah HaKadosh writes, another biggie, he writes, Hashem Silecha, God is your shadow. Just as your shadow mirrors your actions, so too HaKadosh Baruch Hu acts like your shadow. His behavior towards you reflects your behavior towards Him. The Zohar Kadosh writes in Parshat Lech Lecha, man's actions below trigger the divine influence from above. Nothing, the light can't go on in heaven until we switch on the switch down here. The Zohar, based on the Gemara and Shabbat, it says, Kol al Anyone who has mercy on his fellow creatures is shown mercy from heaven. Whoever fails to have mercy is not shown mercy. The Mishnah in Pirkei Avot says, Da ma lemala mimecha. Know what is above you. We could say know what is above you, meaning God is above you. But the Maor and Naim and the Kedushat Levi and the, Yaakov, and the Yaakov Yosef write that a person should know that everything that transpires in heaven above comes from you. You. You're the cause of what happens above. It's all caused by your actions. Similarly, the Nefesh HaChayim writes, People do not realize the tremendous impact of their actions. They should recognize unequivocally that everything that transpires in the heavenly realms stems from their actions that are the determining factors. So now we, could, we understand a little better. What is, what is Hashem replying to Moshe? He says, Behold, when I come to Bnei Yisrael, I'll say to them, The God of your father sent me to you. And they say to me, What's his name? What should I say? In other words, they want to know and be familiar with all of Hashem's name. 
This knowledge will enable them to receive the needed benefits associated with each name. In response, Hashem is saying to Moshe, very simple, The Ramban, Nachmanides, writes, Just as you behave with me, That's how I will behave with you. He quotes the same exact words. If you open your hand, I open my hand. Everything depends on man's behavior below. For it is within man's power to trigger, crazy, any desired response from above. All in man's power. Any desired response from above based on his behavior below. Who's saying this? Ramban. So we can now appreciate the connection between Asher Eheyeh, Asher Eheyeh, and Emet. For the fact that we see that Hashem treats each individual differently does not contradict his trait of Emet. It's quite the opposite. This is evident that his trait of Emet, he behaves with each individual in accordance with how that individual behaves below. He says, he says, he says, Hashem is your shadow, Hashem silecha. If the person is merciful, he's shown mercy, cruel, shown cruelty. This is precisely the message conveyed by the illusion, Eheyeh, Asher Eheyeh, which equals Emet. Because the divine trademark is Emet, revealed by the union of the two names, Eheyeh, in keeping with Hashem's statement, as you are with me, I am with you. This is also the message of this piyut that they read in the holidays. Says that emet is the same as ehiyah asher ehiyah. Says now it's interesting because now we're going to go back to Morin Nevuchim, where we saw one thing, but we're looking in a different part of Morin Nevuchim, and it seems it's very interesting what the Rambam writes. He writes vehine nigla, a wonderful secret has been appear, has been revealed. He says it will remove doubts and uncertainties and will help reveal design secrets. He's saying that Hashem's supervision and protection, his hashkacha of a human being from any ill occurrences depends to a degree on a person's intellectual belief in Hashem's direct supervision. The more faith a person has, the more he's connected to Hashem. If a person always has Hashem in mind, Hashem will never stop overseeing his life and his actions. The rabbi goes on to state, bringing a proof from Ramban, a very scary thought. Should we see that a tragedy befalls people, it's because that person is not connected to Hashem in his thoughts. Here's an excerpt of what the Rambam writes. Have the translation. But this is interesting that this is Rambam in Morena Bukhim. This is exact words here. Here's the, pa- here's the paragraph from Rabbah. The complete person will always have Hashem in mind. As a result, he will always be supervised from above. When he is engrossed in other matters and forgets Hashem, Hashem's supervision will be absent temporarily. Now remember, he's writing Morin Evuchim to, to the philosophers. It will not be entirely absent as it would be from someone who does not believe in or comprehend Hashem's supervision at all. For this person does believe in Hashem's hashgacha. So he uses the term. 
His divine supervision at that moment will only be diminished. Someone who does not recognize the presence of Hashem and his supervision at all resembles a person living in darkness who has never seen light. Conversely, someone who does appreciate Hashem's hashkacha resembles a person standing in the bright light of the sun. Thus, he was aware of Hashem's hashkacha, but has a momentary lapse of focus while engaged in worldly matters can be compared to a person on a cloudy day where the cloud temporarily blocks him from the sun. So he's using the word hashkacha maybe a little differently than we're going to use it when we use the word the term hashkacha pratit. He's using it that I have to know that Hashem is above and I'm connected to Hashem all the time. But he's also saying there's a possibility of missing of hashkacha, right? Which is which is caused by me, right? By my disconnect, right. as compared to like a, a bad thing where there's always because next the Rambam adds an astounding and somewhat frightening thought. He states that anyone who experiences a negative occurrence, be he a prophet or a very devout person, that occurrence was due to a momentary disregard of Hashem's hashkacha. go translate. He states that the magnitude of the negative event correlates directly with the length of time and the degree to which the person forgot Hashem's hashkacha. So basically, to summarize what Rambam is writing, he says it all boils down to one's ability to remain constantly connected with Hashem. That connection prevents mishaps. Lack of connection opens one up to the possibility of, mis- of misfortune and disaster. It's very interesting. I just thought of this, but it's going to come up a little later. But when a person wears tefillin, so in the old days, they would wear tefillin all day. <coughs> Why don't we wear it all day? Because when a person wears tefillin, even when someone's having a brit milah, so the question is, does the father and the sandak, do they keep the tefillin on? Do they take the tefillin off? If a person's going to keep his tefillin on, he has to be connected in some knowledge or recognition that I'm wearing my tefillin at all times. He can't forget for a moment that he has his tefillin on because if he forgets, it's better to take them off. So this connection, this da'at, which he used, this connection relates specifically to tefillin and maybe that's why tefillin is the connection that the Zohar brought up of Ehiyah, Sher Ehiyah. So it goes further, following on the Rambam, it says specific, specifically in the Torah, and we, we, many of us, we say in Havdalah, those of you who are attached to Hashem your God, you are alive today. Here we are promised in no uncertain terms that so long as the person is connected to Hashem, Chayim Kuchem Hayom. David HaMelech writes, he says, Gam ki begel samavet, as, Although I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, lo irara, I will not fear evil, ki ata imadi, because you are with me. The Shvilei Pinchas suggests that the Rambam's powerful words are the source for an important principle presented by the Toldot Yaakov Yosef in the name of the Baal Shem Tov. 
He says, so long as a Jew, so maybe this is why the Chabad, so long as a Jew believes wholeheartedly that Hashem is with him, even during bad times of extreme concealment, hester it's impossible for anything bad to befall him. When Hashem wishes to punish a person for his countless sins, he conceals his, this awareness from the person that he is with him even during times of trouble. But how do you how do you define trouble? I mean, something you don't like, or so we, see they're implying here that if you're always connected, nothing bad is going to happen in your life. And I don't I don't believe this. But we don't know what bad. We have to be careful right. how we define bad, because well, we can exactly. see that something that we may define as bad right. may be best for us. I want the, I'm the child who wants the sucking candy. Yeah. My mother says no. I want it. She says no. I'm crying. But because I didn't, I don't choke because uh, I'm yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. That's part. We have to keep that in mind. So Hashem specifically says, mihem. I will hide myself from you to punish them. The Toldot Yaakov Yosef, he writes, in Le, and it's quoted in the Sefer Leket Imre Panim, he goes, Shamati Mimori, uh, I heard from my master, my teacher, Sheim Yada Adam. If a man knew with full knowledge, I have it. If a person knew with full knowledge and believes wholeheartedly that even in the most dismal circumstances, Hashem is actually there but in hiding, then the concealment no longer exists. For with the awareness that the Borei Olam is indeed there with him, all evil and negative elements disappear and the divine light is revealed. So there's the aspect of evil negativity versus divine light. At times, however, the awareness of my concealed presence must also be concealed because the person turned to other gods, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Consequently, the person forgets that Hashem is with him. He no longer believes or trusts. He lacks emunan bitachon, and then he's punished. So this gives us a glimpse but regarding... But a person has to be deliberate for that to happen. Deliberate. Right. It's not like a person... <clears throat> Became oblivious because you went to sleep, came woke But up, sometimes we want to do what we want to do, so we shut God out in order to do what we want to do. Okay. Other times we do something wrong, we say, I'm sorry. So it's interesting because you're doing a sin and you're saying, I'm doing something wrong, but I know you're giving me the energy to do the thing that I'm doing wrong. So I'm not sure if that's a worse problem. So he says, after suffering a lot of hardship, oh, so, so now, now to try to understand why Moshe is approaching Hashem, the Amruli, and they're going to say to me, Mashemo, what's his name? What do I say to them? So now to try to understand a little bit, he's saying, after Ben Israel is suffering so much hardship in Mitzrayim, Israel is going to ask, what is Hashem's name that is capable of rescuing us from any threat and calamity so long so that we don't need to suffer? Like we did in Mitzrayim. To this Hashem replies, I shall be that I shall be. The Midrash explains what Hashem is telling Moshe to tell B'nai Israel. You want to know the secret for the future? The way you behave with me is the way I will behave with you. Hashem says to each individual, I will be with you as you are to everyone else. To everyone else. If you want me to be with you, there's a condition. It says, your relationship with me must be characterized by constant divikut. So it's a double 
a double condition. One is you have to behave to others in a certain way. And the other is you have to be aware and attached to me. Those are the two conditions that, that this is alluding That's to. Torah right there. This is Hashem's seal and trademark of Emet. He watches over each individual person in accordance and in proportion to that person's attachment to him and also that person's behavior to others. Continuing, going back to Tikkunei Zohar, when Hashem says to Moshe, Eheyeh Asher Eheyeh, He's referring to the Tefillin Shel Yad and Tefillin Shel Rosh. Each of them contains four parshiot, containing a total of 21 times mentioning the name of Hashem. Thus the two Tefillin are Eheyeh Asher Eheyeh. But to understand really what, what's going on. We know that the purpose of the mitzvah of tefillin is to connect a person with God. We express this in the formula of the Lashem Yichud. So before a person does a mitzvah, a person is supposed to pronounce, I'm going to do a specific mitzvah. With regard to the tefillin, v'sivan, we say, v'sivanu lahaniach al hayad. So we say we are commanded to place the tefillin on the upper arm, opposite the heart, in order to subjugate our desires and devote them solely to the service of the Almighty. And we're commanded to put it on our head, opposite the brain, so that the soul's senses and faculties will also be subservient. So by wearing the tefillin, it's supposed to be a reminder that I should make sure that my heart is subjugated to God and my mind is subjugated to God and my mind... Is, will overcome my actions. My mind will dictate my actions. Can't say someone would do something wrong and say, I didn't, I didn't think what I was doing. It's an excuse here, especially in school, right? <laughs> Thus it appears that Hashem gave us the mitzvah of tefillin corresponding to this name, Eheyeh, Asher Eheyeh, as a segula for connecting and binding ourselves to Hashem in a permanent fashion. This affords us a unique protection and supervision from Hashem. This is the message conveyed by this name, Eheyeh, Asher Eheyeh. Hashem is telling us, I will be Eheyeh with the person who will be with me. Going further. So really the Chabad are not, are not wrong. You could always be connected. If you connect yourself. Yeah. They say they're connected even if you don't connect yourself. But he is saying, Rambam seems to say, you could disconnect yourself. It appears that support for this explanation can be provided from the Sifat Emet. He explains why it is essential. essential. So the question came up, actually came up in the, in the Minyan, in the morning. One of the questions came up, says, why is it necessary? So normally we had a question. <coughs> if you reach into your bag in the morning... You have your talet to take out, you have your tefillin to take out. If by accident you take out your tefillin, what do you have to do? You have to put on the tefillin before the talet. Why? Because if the mitzvah came in your hand to do, you have to do that mitzvah first. But if I pull in my hand and I have my tefillin shel yad and tefillin shel rosh, the arm and the head, and I take that, right now I'm putting on my arm first and then my head. What if I take out my head first? Do I put on the head and then put on the arm? No, we don't put on. It says, why? The tefillin shel yad opposite the heart represent the notion of an awakening from below. <clears throat> Due to the subjugation of our heart's desires to the service of Hashem. 
as a result, we merit an awakening from above. This is learned from the Gemara, where it states, And all the people of the world will see that the name of God is called upon you, and they will be afraid of you. Rabbi Eliezer says, what do you mean the name of God is on a person? Where is the name of God on a person? He writes, Elu tefillin shebarosh. These are the tefillin, which are barosh. This we just learned in the daf last week. Uh, these are the tefillin, not al harosh, on the head, but barosh, berosh, inside the head. Meaning, you have to really feel them inside of you. So to provide an explanation based on what we're discussing... <clears throat> The 21 mentions of the name Havaya in the Tefillin Shelyad represent the notion of 21 of Eheya. Every Jew's individual declaration that he will be with Hashem by subjugating his every whim and thought to Hashem. In the merit of this commitment, Hashem fulfills His promise to watch over us with the 21 mentions of the name Havaya in the Tefillin Shelrosh. So the Tefillin Shelyad represent a downward, a down going up in in reward for the down going up meaning we're devoting our heart to God Hashem will then have the up come down and give us the protection that we want and that way our his name is going to be seen on us I still didn't explain the Allah's it says based on this understanding the Shevilei Pinchas suggests a beautiful interpretation found regarding King Solomon, Shlomo HaMelech. It says about King Solomon, Vayiten Elokim Chochmah Lishlomo. And God gave wisdom to Solomon. Betivunan, understanding. Harbe Me'od, a great amount of it. Rechiv Lev Kachol Al Sefat Hayam. He says, And a heart as immense as the sand along the seashore. He says, and the wisdom of Solomon surpassed the wisdom of all of the scholars of the East and all of the wisdom of Egypt and he was wiser than any man and he spoke 3,000 proverbs huh? 3,000 Proverbs? What is that? Doesn't sound like it relates. You want to say, okay, he's the smartest guy in the world? <laughs> Finish. Why is that the example? He says, you have to understand what does it really mean, Sheloshet Alafim Proverbs. Sheloshet Alafim. Notwithstanding Shalom HaMelech's vast wisdom and knowledge, let us suggest that he taught the entire nation one lesson. The greatest form of wisdom is being connected and attached to Hashem in accordance with Sheloshet Alafim. What's Sheloshet Alafim? Sheloshet could be three. And what's Alafim? Alephs. He says Sheloshet Alafim is the three Alephs. What are the three Alephs? Those are the first three letters of Eheyeh Asher Eheyeh. He says that this is conveyed to Moshe that the essential lesson that he would be 
that, that Hashem would be with a person who clings to Him. This is also found in the, the, the Yag Midot, the 13 attributes of, uh, of, uh, of mercy. In other words, Hashem preserves and demonstrates kindness to those people who always remember the Alafim, the Alephs. What are the Alephs? Yeah, share it. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, a, it's an incredible thing, that especially when you read what the Chida writes, that you could use this to have a tefillah to Hashem. But he's saying, and anything will, anything could come from it. Magic words, abracadabra in some way. But he's saying, how do you make it work? How do you make it work? Really two things that he's saying, that the, the lesson that Hashem is telling Moshe to tell B'nai Israel, You want to know who I am? You want to know what my name is? It's based on my actions. But you want to predict my actions? My actions are predictable based on two factors. One, how you behave to other people is how I will behave with you. And number two is, if you remain connected to me, I remain connected to you. And that's really like the two luchot. We have ben adam lechavero, between man and man. And that really has to, even though that's the second tablet, that has to come first. Because Hashem says, Love your, your, your friend as, your, as yourself. Ani Hashem. I am God. That's the second. So Hashem is saying, you want to understand who I am? One, how you behave to others is how I behave to you. Two, you stick with me and I'll stick with you. And that's the reminder every time we, we put on the tefillin. Now women don't have to put on tefillin. Why? Because we have to put on tefillin because we don't have tefillin Sheba Rosh. We don't have this connection. Women are much more connected because women are born with this level of binah and they have the connection. But it's not like you have not have to focus on the connection. We need the extra tool to focus as a man because we our minds wander. So the tefillin, you know, comes and binds us. But I think that with, with women it's a tefillin Sheba Rosh inside the head. And you have to remember to try to connect to Hashem all the time. But a woman is definitely more connected to God than a man is to, to God. And the rabbis will say that. And now we have to understand. So that's it. Two tools. Two tools is one, how we behave to others. Hashem behaves to us. Second one is connect to Hashem. Hashem connects to us. And that's really the message of Eheyeh Asher Eheyeh. Probably the most powerful name of Hashem. Which encompasses every name of Hashem. Because it represents Emet. Emet is the seal, and all of the names of Hashem are represented by the seal of Emet. Right, so so they are procedural. Obvious, that's right. So the obvious question is, that's the secret sauce. Why hasn't it gone mainstream? Why don't we use it much more than we, we, we do? I, 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 that's, that's, that's the question I'm asking too. I mean, is it a procedural way of using that, 